All right, if you take your Bibles with me, we're going to kind of springboard tonight. If you take your Bibles, though, for starting to Luke chapter number two, please. Luke chapter number two. All right, we've got it. Luke chapter number two. I don't know if you follow the news or not. I, I don't, but right now we've got stuff going on in our country that you can't avoid. And uh, let me ask you this. When you start watching the news and you hear that Hamas has bombed Israel and that they have invaded, was it a wedding party, I think? It was, wasn't a big wedding thing. And they started pulling out uh, uh, captives and taking them with them hostages. And then uh, they, I mean, see, to see them flying those little ultralight airplane things over and drop bombs off of those and everything. What, what, what comes to your mind? Just help, help share with me tonight. What, what comes to your mind? I know what comes to my mind, but what, what do you all see? The Lord's, Lord's coming back soon, maybe, okay? What else, does, what else comes to your mind? Uh, evil, that people are just pure evil. I love how all of the Hamas leaders, as you're watching, uh, we don't have cable, t- cable uh, television, all that kind of stuff. So we've been watching a lot of uh, foreign news uh, via YouTube and stuff like that. We can watch it on the television. Christy gets uh, fixated on that stuff. She watches it all. And I'm like, babe, I said, you need to shut that off, man. It's just getting, but, she, but she's got all this stuff from foreign. And so you've got a lot of uh, uh, Middle Eastern reporters and stuff like that. And there was a news report last night some of you may have seen it but it they, they said that the majority of the hamas leaders vast majority are not in the the gaza strip they once they become uh, powerful then they they take short uh what did they call them short um uh, out of the country, they didn't call them, they called them something else, but short out of the country vacations. Only problem is those short out of country vacations last years because they don't want to be there. They just want to instruct other people. But they've just, I mean, basically they are just bent on destruction. And they are, what, don't, what other things go through your minds? The devil is alive. It, uh, can, I, can I share this with you? Luke chapter number two. Look at me in verse number 10. And the angel said unto them, fear not. Again, what's going on here? This is the angels appearing to the shepherd just as Jesus Christ is born. Fear not, but for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 25, verse number 25, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far land. Mark chapter 1, verse number 1, the Bible says, the beginning of the gospel. Does anybody know what that word gospel means? It's euangelion in, uh, in uh, Greek. What does it mean? Good news. It's the same word that's used there. And you got your Bible open to Luke chapter 2, verse 10 still. It says, I bring you good tidings. That is euangelizo. That is the verb form of the gospel of the euangelion that we have the gospel good tidings the bible tells us down in mark chapter 13 verse number 10 and the gospel must first be published among all nations but i have actually have to ask this question the gospel that's what we're going to talk about tonight is it actually good news is it actually good news let's let's take that and let me ask that question in this setting in the society in we, which we live, is the gospel good news? 
Because if you and I are going to reach people for Jesus Christ, and we talked about this earlier before, that we're going to have to love on people, okay? And is the gospel just face value? Is it good news? We bring up um, Israel and everything that's going on over there. I've, I have many of these same things that you've thought of. But you know what the one overriding thought when I, when I hear that Israel got bombed? I'm like, oh, crud, Hamas is in for it, man. Because Israel is going to, once they figure out whether all of their hostages are alive or dead or they get them back, I mean, they're just going to bomb the snot out of that area. And, and even if they don't, we have the promise in the Bible that Israel is never going to go under again, that God is going to fight for them. And we think, we start looking at the fact that, oh, Jesus might come at any time. Well, can I tell you this? We don't have to have that happen. The Bible says the next thing on the calendar is that trumpet that's going to sound, and there are no signs for that. Okay, we can't, look at, we can't look at happenings and say, oh, well, this is going on, so there, therefore the trumpets. No, the, there are zero signs. Now, there are signs for the second coming of Christ in the sense of when he comes to this world because we've got the tribulation before that. We've got all that thing happening. But if you t- take your Bible and flip over with me, if you would, to the Revela- book of Revelation, please. Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3 are the ones that give us uh, the things w- which we uh, have happened, will happen, and those which, which uh, are happening now. And then starting in chapter number two, you've got John's Patmos vision and the command to write. In the, I'm sorry, the middle of chapter, chapter one, you've got the command to write in the vision of Jesus Christ. Then chapter two, you've got the letters to the churches. And uh, we, we correlate those. Those are real letters that were written to real churches in Asia Minor, but they also correlate very well to church history uh, time periods, uh, starting at, uh, from the time that the letter was written, that was John was writing it, up to now where we've got all kinds of apostasy going on. And then we jump to ch- verse number four, uh, chapter 4, verse number 1. And so we've got all this history going on. And then it says in verse 4, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were, of a trumpet talking with me. And what did the trumpet say? Come up hither. Well, John was a believer in Jesus Christ. You know what the next thing in God's calendar for you and me is? That door of heaven opened up, and a trumpet's going to talk to us, and he's going to say, come on up hither. There's nothing else that comes beforehand. And so when I see everything that's going on in the Middle East, I look for its peace in prophecy. But can I tell you, we don't have to wait for problems in the Middle East before we look for Jesus Christ coming up. Can I tell you one other thing that comes to my mind when I see the idea of difficulty there? And what is it? Nine, we're up to 900 or so Israelis already and uh, uh, 700 folks in the Gaza Strip and untold number, 140, 180, something like that, who are hostages. And how many more will die? My thought goes to the fact that those people, uh, the, the Palestinians there, many of them are harsh people. But can I tell you this? They have a soul. And every time an Israelite bomb bombs there and some of them die, they are either going to heaven or they, go, they are going to hell. And you and I, though we do not live in the Middle East, I'm so grateful I don't experience that terror on a regular... I was reading a news article today about some of the folks in the Gaza Strip. 
And they say we go from here and we hear all the bombing at our house and so we go to this safe site and we get to that safe site and we got through the night and there were bombs going off everywhere. The windows were shattering. Glass was flying everywhere. It was a lady. I think she had a five-year-old and a seven-year-old boy. Uh, And she said, then we go from there to another supposed safe house. She said, the truth is, there's no safe house. And she said, and and Israel's prime minister, they're broadcasting, telling us to go to safety. And she said, the question we all have is, where is safety? If you would just tell us where to go, we would go there. But there is no safety. Egypt won't let them in. Israel obviously won't let them in. There's nowhere that they can go. And they're facing death on a regular basis. We had a missionary from the Middle East. It's probably been 15, 16 years ago. He came over. And he was here the weekend of the 4th of July. And we went, this was back when Navy Lake still did all of the fireworks down there. And uh, Christy and I went down with him. There was a picture. It all started because of the bulletin. They had put a picture of fireworks on the front of the bullets, you know, because it was 4th of July weekend. And so he was looking at that, and he said, he said, Brother Nathaniel, Brother Nathaniel, what are these, you know? And I said, oh, those are fireworks. He said, what are fireworks? I said, well, you know, kind of explosions. He, he said, like guns? And I'm like, I'm like, no, it's, we do it on the 4th of July. It's a celebration. I said, we're going to be going, you know, I can't remember 4th of July. It was Monday or Tuesday that year. I said, we're going to be going over to the fireworks. Would you like to go with us? He said, are they safe? I said, yes, yes, sir, they're safe. They'll be doing them over the lake down there. We're on one side. No, I said, we'll be okay. And so uh, I think we took some stuff down and did a little picnic. Our kids were little, you know, they're running around. And you know how they do at the 4th of July. They've got all the glow sticks and everything. You know, they're running around so you can track them that way. And everybody's having a good time. And then it started to get dark. And we told them, we said, well, hey, brother, come on over here. Let's, we got a blanket, a couple blankets here. Let's sit on this side here. And we got a great view. And so we're sitting there. And the first firework that went off, he was sitting right beside me. And I'm telling you, he dove about 15 feet flat out. I mean, just laying on the grass. And I said, are you okay? What happened? He said, you sure this safe? <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah, brother. He said, this reminds me of home too much. <laughs> he said, only they're not just up in the air over there. Can you imagine living a life like that? I'm grateful for men and women in our military who have done that. Some of you have served and you have faced that kind of stuff on the behalf of the rest of us. But can we switch for just a moment at this idea that news, that is good news? Because let me answer that question. The gospel, is it good news? Absolutely. Absolutely, it's good news. But it all depends on my perspective on whether I perceive that as good news or not. Just this morning, Christy texted me. It was 9, 9.50, 10.15, somewhere in there this morning. And she actually, she texted our whole family, uh, Jake and Madeline and Susanna and me and Aiden and Nathaniel. And she said, is everybody all right? I'm like, why is she texting, is everybody all right? So she sent another text. She said, I was in the shower and I got back out. And I had a missed call from St. Francis Hospital and a missed call from Regional One. And so then, as soon as I hear that, my heart drops. She said, but I called back and they were just the general hospital numbers. You know, we couldn't find anything. So sitting there holding the phone, just waiting. Madeline, I'm fine. 
you know, and I texted back, I'm, I'm fine. So they all knew. And then Susanna texts back, I'm fine. And by then, it, by now, it had been almost 35 seconds. And I'm like, those stupid boys. I said, what are they doing? You know, both of them were off working. So I called Nathaniel, didn't get an answer. I called Aiden, didn't get an answer. And I'm telling you, it was probably a total of four minutes before Christy got a hold of them. But it's a long four minutes. And I have no idea what the hospital call or what the calls were to her. Hopefully it was work-related or something like that because she does records for the hospital. But can I tell you, when we don't know what the news is, good or bad, it can terrify us. And that's exactly what it did. Christy sent back a text after everybody had checked in. She said, well, it wasn't any of you. I guess I was just supposed to have a heart attack this morning. You know? And those of you who are parents know exactly, you know that thought process. And we share the good news of Jesus Christ. But they don't all, the folks around us, they don't need God. At least from their perspective, they don't need God. And we have to be aware that they think they are fine. And if we get upset, if we get cranky because they won't accept us, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting Jesus Christ. We have to understand that. I am not representing Nathaniel Taylor. I am an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And would you look with me tonight very quickly? What time is it? Oh, my goodness. We've got, well, I, I told the teens last week, I'm really, really good at not preaching short, okay? I just want you all to know that. I'm really good at that. But if you'd look up with me tonight, I want you to see some things about the gospel. The violence of the cross. Now, we live in a violent society, but violence happens on television and it happens in the news, we don't want anything to happen. We aren't around death on a regular basis. It is amazing to me how many young people and how many middle-aged people do not go to funerals because they've never been able to deal with it. When we would take, I'm a pastor, Christy's a nurse. Our kids have been around death and sickness since they were born. And we would take them to funerals and people would get after us and say, why are you doing that to them? They don't need to be around. It's a part of life, folks. And if I know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior, it's a good part of life. Because there's been difficulty beforehand, but the moment death happens, if I know Christ is my Savior, I'm in heaven. But that's not the way that our society looks at it. They look at it as a horrible thing. And can I tell you, the Bible tells in the book of 1 Corinthians that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that believe. This idea of the cross is violent. Take your Bibles and go back with me to the book of Isaiah, if you would. Isaiah chapter 52. Let me read some verses in Isaiah 52 and then down to Isaiah chapter 53. But I'm so used to it. I grew up hearing the gospel that, that I'm a sinner, that Jesus, that I, the penalty for sin is death, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins, and all I've got to do is accept that. But if I step back from what I already know and I just take a picture of the cross, understand there's a lot of violence involved in there. Isaiah 52 Verse number one, awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. Talking about Israel and everything that's going on over there right now. For henceforth there shall no more come unto thee the uncircumcised and the, and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, you have sold yourselves for naught. 
And you shall be redeemed without money. For thus saith the Lord God, my people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Did you see what it said back in verse number three? You have sold yourselves for naught, and you shall be redeemed. That means to be bought back without money. I can just imagine reading this for the first time, not knowing anything about Scripture. Well, how do you buy something back if you don't have any money to buy it back with? Verse number five, now therefore what have I What have I here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught, that they rule over them, that they that rule over them make them to howl, saith the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore they shall know in that day that I am he that does speak. Behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publish peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. And so we've got this idea of buying them back, and now everything is beautiful. God's going to buy us back, and how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of the gospel. But wait a minute. We've been purchased, and God said he's going he's to buy us back without any money. Hold on. How does that work? Pick up with me in verse number 8. Thy watchmen shall lift up the, vo- up the voice. With the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath comforted his people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. See, all that's great stuff. That's what we like to, that's what people who look at religion, they say, that's God right there. God's good. It's all beautiful. He's going he's gonna to release us. He's going to save us because God is so full of love. But what we as Americans have done is we have pasted over the ugliness of the cross. Continue on with me down in verse number 11. Depart ye. Depart ye, go out from hence, touch no unclean thing, go ye out of the midst of her, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord, for ye shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear reward. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently, he shall be exalted and extolled, be very high, as many were astonished at thee. Now catch this, who is this servant? This is the servant that our Savior has sent to deliver us. This servant is Jesus Christ, our Savior. And it picks up in verse number 14. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The king shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. And that's exactly what happens in American Christianity. People say, wait a minute. His form marred more than any man. His visage, the way we look at him, grotesque. And we tell that and we share that gospel with someone. And just like it said with the kings, that which had not been told them, they'll see. That which they had not heard, shall they consider. And they say, this doesn't match up. We just want to know about the love of God. We just want to know about the beautiful things. We don't want to know about the sacrifice that the cross brought, the violence. Jump back a, a chapter ahead with me, if you would, Isaiah chapter 53. Surely he hath borne our griefs 
and carried our sorrows. We did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. The end of verse number six. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Down to verse number 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. This idea of the violence of the cross is not just New Testament, though. Take your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter 2. The Bible tells us in Acts, chapter 2, verse 23, Him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. He was crucified and slain by those wicked hands of the soldiers, but did you see who, who was behind it, whose plan it was from the beginning of verse number 20, 23? Whose plan was it? By the determinate foreknowledge of who? God, the Father. What kind of religion would have the Creator God send the Creator's Son to be bruised, to be smitten, to be marred, to be crucified, to have his visage deformed more than any man. You see, that's not the picture that people want to paint in their minds of a loving God. But that's what it took to pay for your sin and for my sin. Can I get you just to sit back for a moment tonight and look at the cross from the perspective of someone who doesn't have a background in Christianity? Do you see the offense of the cross? And yet, that's what we have to preach to those around us. It's what we have to share with them if we're going to reach them. They need to see the grotesqueness of their sin because it's that grotesqueness of sin that sent our Savior to the cross. That's why we have to love people. Because the truth is, American society with this desire not to offend anyone or at least be offended by anyone, with this desire to stay away from that which is gross and grotesque. I love reading the clips of somebody who said, oh, all of you who hunt and those of you who farm and kill animals, you're so horrible. Why don't you just buy your meat from the grocery store like normal people, you know? And we laugh at them, but listen, that's their mindset. And if they look at meet that way, how do they look at their God? Or how do they look at a God that is not their God, the God that's not their God? Not only the violence of the cross, the Bible also talks about the visible marks of Jesus Christ because of the cross. Take your Bible and go with me to the book of Revelation, verse 5. Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. You see, you and I will be reminded for all of eternity of the sacrifice that Christ made. John is there early on in his revelation and his, his view of heaven. And a scroll comes out that can't be read. There's seals that can't be broken. 
And one of the elders in Revelation 5, 5 saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And if you didn't read verse number 6, all you read is that angel, again, a powerful being. And he stands there before John as John weeps. And he says, who's going to open the book? And he says, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, had prevailed to open the book. Can't you just hear drums and trumpets going on in the background? And John standing up from his knees and wiping away the tears. And he looks, and here's the coming of the king. But folks, that's not what he saw. Look down with me in verse number 6. It says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain. My grandfather had sheep growing up. Animals would get those once in a while. It wasn't a pretty sight. Lambs usually were clean, nice and white, beautiful, at least for the first couple months. The sheep would get nasty and dirty, but the lambs, you could always see the lambs because they were the, I mean, you're watching the sheep out in the pasture and the the sheep are all dirty, but the lambs are bright white. But can I tell you this, when something will get one of them, because of the brightness of their white wool, that blood stood out horribly. And you knew something was wrong. And that's what we are going to see. The lamb who had been slain. Pick up with me in verse number 7. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before. And look at the description. The lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals. Catch this. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Verse number 11, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. Over and over in this passage, in the beauty and holiness and glory of heaven, John is reminded that Christ is still the lamb that was slain. There are visible marks on Christ that remind us. But can I tell you this? There's a value of the sacrifice. Ephesians chapter 5 verse number 2 said this, And walk in, in love as Christ also hath loved us, And hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Abraham, sacrificed to God, had faith in God and was counted to him for righteousness. But had Christ never paid the price on the cross, even the Old Testament fathers would not have been able to enter heaven. 
It was all based on what we read in Acts chapter 5, the determinate foreknowledge of God that Jesus Christ was going to be slain from the foundations of the world. And the value of the sacrifice is that every person that you and I rub shoulders with today, those that we like and those that troll us on the social media platforms and the ones that we can't stand, the blood of Jesus Christ is good for them. And you and I are going to have to get over political differences. We've all got opinions. Can I just tell you this? My opinions are the best, all right? Isn't that what we all think? My opinions are the best. You think your opinions are the best. Patty uh, and Joshua Johnson, uh, preach, uh, he, she grew up in the church and uh, married him. And he's uh, one of our missionaries, Daryl Johnson. He was one of his sons. And they, they were up in Indiana, a pastor. I think they're down in Georgia now. But she put something on social media. I think it was her. It was either her or him. Something about they're remodeling their auditorium. He said, you know what? I'm just grateful that our people haven't fought over the color of the carpet and the paint on the walls. How many churches have split over the color of the carpet, the color of the pews, the color of the paint on the walls? Can I tell you this? Jesus Christ from the foundations of the world was the sacrifice, not for, so that we could have green carpet or green pews or blue pews or whatever, but that you and I would love people and share the ugly truth, the violence of the cross with them because the violence of the cross is what was required because of the putrid stench of their sin and my sin and your sin. The value of the sacrifice. Can I share one more thing with you before you dismiss? And that's simply this, the vision for a Christian. If you've got your Bible there in Mark, if you don't, turn over to Mark chapter 12, verse 30, please. Because you've got the violence of the cross, the visible marks on Christ, the value of his sacrifice, which we're all familiar with. But this is where, I'll be honest with everything I'm talking about now, it's not for you, it's for me. God had to do some work in my heart this morning talking about this. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. Grammatically, you've got a bunch of conjunctions there. The little tiny word, and. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. We like to pick and choose. Even as, can I just say, y'all are the faithful ones of First Baptist Church of Atoka. You're here on a Wednesday night. We've got others who aren't here tonight who are very faithful and they may have things holding them out. But I'm preaching to the choir tonight. I'm preaching to the, the ushers. I'm preaching to the nursery workers, the Sunday school workers. I'm, tr I'm preaching to the folks who are faithful. But can I ask you this? After contemplating the violence of the cross and the visible marks on our Savior for all of eternity, the value of the sacrifice he made. His vision was this, that I would love my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. 
I only know me. But I worry about getting grass cut. I worry about the kids' cars running. I worry about being able to pay medical bills, and I worry about what I'm going to eat for supper after church tonight. I worry about what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day, and I worry about, you know, is my body going to hold up if I do these things? And I worry about getting the gymnasium medal put in that we voted on Sunday night, and I worry about how many people are or aren't at church on a Wednesday night and a Sunday morning. None of those are bad things to think about, contemplate. I'm supposed to take care of my family. But does God get my best or does he get my leftovers? You'll notice that not only is there that little conjunction and. Supposed to Lord love thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. There's another little three letter A word before every one of those. It says thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And then look at the end. This is the first commandment. If you don't get to number two, you don't get to point number three, you don't get to point number four, this is point number one. The word of God with all of that. Can I tell you, I'm not willing to impact the people around me. If I don't love my, the God, my God with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind and with all my strength. Sometimes he just gets my mind. I want to love him with all my mind, but my strength just gets a little weakened so he doesn't get all that. He gets my mind, but my, my heart somewhere else. Maybe I give him my strength and my actions and I'm running around and I'm doing everything I can. But while I'm running around doing all the things that I'm supposed to, my mind is elsewhere. Is he getting everything from me? It's a reminder to me that I can't just be busy in God's work. I've got to be busy loving my Lord. Because in the midst of everything going on over in Israel... In Palestine and the Gaza Strip tonight. And that's important worldwide information and important world happenings. There's one thing more important, and that's the violence of the cross, the marks on my Savior, the value of his sacrifice and salvation in people's life, and the fact that as a Christian, I'm to give God all, 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 all. American society, American culture doesn't teach us to do that. American culture says, you got so many things going on, stretch yourself thin, do the things that you need to. Jesus Christ says, come unto me, ye that are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest when we rest in him. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Can I encourage you? Back wall right there. Our job is to tell people there's no one left to tell. And the Bible says, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. As we go out the rest of this week, love people. Love people so we can share the gospel with them. 
Don't, don't just love them and forget the gospel. They need to hear about the value of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And as you give all to him, you will make an impact on the people around you. We've got to reach people. I don't know. I don't know if the coming of the Lord is near or if we've still got a few thousand years. I can't tell you that. But I can tell you this. Every one of us are one day closer to meeting Jesus Christ, whether through the sky or through the grave. What have I done today? Have I given him my all today? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the time we've had in your word tonight. Lord, we love you. We want to give you everything we have. Father, this world keeps us so busy. We have so many responsibilities. But impress upon us. Give us a desire. Lord, would you constrain us to love you with everything we have. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.